What is up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And it is amazing to say that we are back, fam. We are back to two podcasts a week now. I'm super stoked. I got some really amazing guests lined up. And that is all because, you know, we're changing with the times. These podcasts are now going to be on Zoom, which, you know, I was kind of against. But then I realized that, wait a minute, all these artists and creatives I talk to, I can pull up their work in front of them. We can discuss their work in front of them. So like in this interview with Sydney Clare, who's an amazing fashion photographer out of New York, there's moments where I pull up some of her work that I really admire and we talk about it, which is something I've been wanting to do for so long, but never had the technology to do it. So yeah, I really enjoy that aspect. And you can always watch these on YouTube where, you know, if you could like and subscribe on there, because honestly, the YouTube channel is blowing up. We're getting so many subs every day. And, um, Everyone just means so much to me because I put so much work into it. Anyways, guys, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. Uh, let's get right into this interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. That's the angle. What? That's the podcast. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And I am joined with photographer Sydney Claire. What's going on? Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> if only they could respond, right? <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm so awkward on these. I'm like, hey. <laughs> nah, it's all good. So let's just kind of get right into it. So I feel like we're all kind of like tired of talking about it. But at the same time, we're not. But I feel like you're in like a super unique position. You are a creative in, in living in New York City, which is perhaps one of the biggest creative economies in the world. And you're dealing with the same thing we're all dealing with. But perhaps like on the biggest magnitude, like what is, what is life like for you right now? Like what's going on? Like, how are you? <laughs> um, it's pretty weird. I'm not going to lie. Uh, being in New York is, um, I feel that New York already has this energy where people kind of push people around and they're just kind of like, uh, you know, dead their day. And I feel mm. like this has made people really angry in New York. And I feel that it's also disheartening to watch New York, um, kind of just shut down. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of places, you know, like restaurants close down and they open back up. But in New York, it's like a lot of restaurants, the shelf life restaurants have here is about like, you know, two years sometimes. And, you know, oh, it's yeah. really hard to maintain a restaurant in New York um, anyways. And a lot of restaurants are going to be closed when New York opens back up. And I'm kind of seeing like these restaurants and these establishments, these small businesses really just start to close. And um, I think that because the cost of living here is so high, um, the pause on everything is, it affects us like no other, you know what I mean? Because the bills don't stop in New York, you know, my rent's still due, um, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And it's not $300, you know, my rent is not $300 in New York city. And it's just like, you gotta, um, it's, it's the state, it's the trying to be stabilized while the heavy cost of New York is still here, but like everything is paused, I think is the hardest thing in New York. And like I said, I think small businesses. Um, I have a ton of friends in sex work. Sex work is hit so hard right now. The strip club is everything. Like it's like, you know, everything is just really put on pause here. And a lot of people's livelihood is put on pause and a livelihood that they might not even get back because, you know, the cost mm -hmm. of living is too high. And I think that's, that's the scariest that's, thing in New uh, York. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like, First of all, I wish my rent was three hundred dollars. That'd be amazing. I think right behind you guys here in DC. DC is expensive uh, too, a hundred percent. But there are parts of the country where you know, yeah. like I have friends that live in New Haven, Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut, you know, and they pay three, four hundred bucks a month in rent. I have friends from Pittsburgh. They pay three, four. The dream. Month in rent. <laughs> oh my and god. You, no, but you know, it's like 
I think people forget that in New York, just to have a room, you need to pay like, you know, 1200 bucks, like right off the bat, like, unless you're living in like a box, like, and yeah. Yeah. I always thought New York was really interesting though, because I feel like every service-based industry, like restaurants and everything has gotten hit, hair salons, all those people, but you guys have the unique angle of having a huge creative culture like Broadway and all in the comedy shows and the theaters and all the photographers like yourself that live there. Like how, how, how crazy is that for you right now? Like what's that ecosystem looking like? I mean, I don't know. I feel like it depends on how you deal with it. Right. I think that, um, I don't know when this first happened, I was, um, I was really shaken up. I, I had just like, um, I was like, uh, you know, my income was completely cut. I had had five grand in campaigns booked for the next month and they all got canceled. And like, oh I, I don't know. It's just like, but at first I was like, this sucks, but then I had no money and I have, you know, it's hard for a creative to apply for unemployment and, and get an unemployment. And, you know, I, some of us haven't gotten our stimulus checks, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, I have to stay here and I have to live here. Right. And, you know, I had to just kind of put my foot down and be like, I have to figure out ways to make money and ways to make income in this time, because it's either I go move back home with my parents in Connecticut, or I figure out a way to keep paying my rent. And I think that you would either look at it like in a negative way, kind of just go down the rabbit hole and just, you know, not do anything actively, or you could try to actively do things every day to like make money. I mean, I started a society six, like, and just sold prints when this started and like started doing stuff on that. And society six ended up featuring me as like one of the top, like uh, new creators oh, wow. or something like for the, that's awesome. but, but that's just because I started selling stuff on there, you know, and just putting my work on there. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just like, started doing FaceTime shoots and like the FaceTime shoots have been great. And I can talk about those in, you know, detail at, you know, some point in this conversation. Um, but the FaceTime shoots, like I had to figure out a way to shoot, you know, I, I, it's, it's, you can't sit around and like be like, Oh, well I'm not making money. This just sucks. I have a lot of friends that are, you know, DJs in New York, um, creatives in New York, whatever, whatever. I have a friend that's a DJ in New York and he went and got a job as like a doorman at a nice building in Manhattan for the time. Because at the end of the day, if you want to stay here, like you can't sit and complain about it. You have to actively do things to like make yourself stay here. And yes, the creative climate here sucks right now. And yes, there's no money and there's no projects being done and everything is put on halt. So you have you can't just sit there. That's like saying, you know, if you you were in the tech industry and your industry got wiped out, what are you going to do? Not go and move on to a different industry? Like, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing where you just have to work with the times and you have to just find ways to, to mold yourself to the times because, and then that's what separates people right now that, you know, are staying in New York and people that are moving out of New York really. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Not to cut you off or anything, but yeah, that's so true. I is, is even here. I've seen so many people move back home at the beginning of all this. And at some point I was like, are they, are they making the right move? Like, oh, this going to only, only be a few months, but now here we are three months later. I'm like, dang, like maybe they called it. But at the same time, unlike other industries being in, in a creative industry as well, I'm, I'm a freelance photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to make that call to be like, oh, let me just move back home and and wait this one out. But then it's kind of like, I kind of feel like 
I would be letting myself down in a way. Exactly. And I think it depends on, you know, what background you're from, what your home situation is. But I mean, personally, I can't go home. It's just not really something it would be detrimental to me. It wouldn't help me. It would just really slow me down. And I've worked very hard the last two years after moving from Boston to get to where I am. And I have really climbed tooth and nail since moving to New York, you know, with $300 in my bank account and no job. And I just like feel that, I don't know. I can't give that up. I've worked way too hard to be where I am. I, I just, you know, I'm from a town with 6,000 people in Connecticut. Like I, I cannot go back. Like I just, I, I, the opportunities here and the things that I have gotten here, I could have never imagined where I'm from. You know what I mean? And that's like what I, I can't leave. So I'm just fighting. I'm just fighting to be here and you know, it's fine. I, 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 everything's, you know, I'm still here. I'm still like able to just make it by and everything. Mm-hmm. And when this is over, I'm, I'm going to be where I still need to be. And that's what it comes down to, you know? Exactly. It's like the people who stayed and remained resilient and just found a way like your DJ friend who's doormaning or exactly. the girl who started in OnlyFans just because of all this. It's like, no, it's like the easy way out is that easy way out of going home or whatever that thing is. But like planning like 10 toes down. I love that. I love that phrase. Um, that, that like it says something about I don't I don't want to say things I don't want to say character because I don't want to like judge people who've done that but I think there's something to like being steady in in what you're doing I think and everything. it just but, it yeah. just I wouldn't I wouldn't say character I think what it comes down to is life ideals I think that somebody who maybe has a nine to five and maybe their main concentration really isn't their career. Their, their love is something else in their life. You know what I mean? Like it isn't like their career. Maybe they're going to feel differently and they're going to go home because they don't really care. But for somebody who deeply only cares about the thing that they're doing and like, I think freelancers and stuff, especially because we are going for that one thing that we want to be, you know what I mean? I think that we have that dream. We have that like, there's something attached to it that we can't give up. It's an essence that like is so much greater than like, for me, it's not about staying in New York because I love New York. I mean, I love New York, but that's not why it's here. It's staying here because I need to, in the next, I'm 24 in the next, you know, five, six years, this is where I need to be for my career. And I'm staying here. And that's like, it's, I think what it comes down to, it's just what your priorities are and like why you are where you are. And if you are where you are because of something very specific, it's very important for you to stay there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 100%. And in, in case people listening don't know who you are, you are a fashion photographer. That's what you, that's the kind of photography you identify most with, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you have to be in New York for that. Like you legitimately have to you be have in that to. fashion world. And I mean, like I've had debates, you know, people, oh, when I, when I first was moving from Boston, New York or LA, even that LA is commercial. LA is, um, a lot of lighting. LA is super loud, colorful. Um, the style there is different. What comes out of LA is very different. New York, if you want to be a high fashion photographer and you want to shoot in those deep, dark tones and you want to do, um, couture and like runway and everything like that is New York and the essence of photography in that fashion sense. I don't really know how to describe it, but you know what I'm saying? That is New Mm -hmm. York. It's not LA. It's not Atlanta. It's not, you know, all these other places that people say that you can be a fashion photographer. It is New York and or Milan or Paris. Like that's, that's it. Like, 
Yeah, and there's there's definitely reasons to why you move places because you seek those certain things because mm-hmm. those opportunities are there. It's like New York's a fashion, LA, like you said, it's commercial. DC is well, it's DC. <laughs> it's I mean, just like, kind of, it's just I kind don't of DC drink. right now. I don't drink. I'm allergic to alcohol. I don't drink. And, no way, really. Um, yeah, and I um I live in New York City. Everybody's like, oh well, you live in New York because you like to go to bars and you like to go out and you like to be good. No, I live in New York City for my career, and that's it. Like, and I wow. happen to love New York because I love people. I I will say I'm a big people person. I love to meet new people. I love to just like I love experiences and like new experiences with new people, and that's what New York is. But I. I don't live here because of like the, the things that typical, you know, people move here for, because it offers these things. I live here because of my career and this is where I'm going to grow in what I want to do. And it's like, it's like, you have to live where you know that your work is going to get to the highest level that you can possibly get to. And if mm-hmm. the level that I want to get my work to, that's in New York. And I, I know that's in New York. So yeah, you're surrounded by some of the world's best photographers there. You know, it's like in in your story. And this is so funny because one of the ways you probably don't remember because you're super popping on social. But one of the ways we first connected was me asking you about, uh, should I move to New York because I want to do fashion photography? Now, obviously, I didn't do that. And, you know, life's changed a lot. But you gave me some amazing reasons about that. And I that was something I was like, dang, this is a really nice person. Like, you didn't have to do all that. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 that like being in that economy you really showed up with with three hundred dollars i i um okay so i graduated college in 2017 uh leslie college of art and design in boston i got a nine to five because my parents absolutely forced me to in uh photography i was doing photo for uh bmw in boston i was doing like uh their marketing advertising stuff for their site um and it was really fun and i had this crazy eccentric boss that like i will totally like I love him anyways. Um, you know, and there were like these things, but I came home crying every day and I was really upset and I knew I had to move to New York city. So I actually, my, I had a lot of friends that went to Harvard cause I went to school right next to Harvard. And, um, one of my friends had a startup after school and he needed a photographer for a, uh, a, um, a conference he was doing an international conference for high schoolers. Um, so that was for two and a half weeks in South Korea. So I had been, um, I went to South Korea for two and a half weeks, photographed this conference. Oh, wow. um, everything was paid for. It was amazing. Um, I got back. I quit my job. Um, I quit my job before I left for Korea, actually, because they were like, you can't even leave. And I was like, bye. And I quit. And um, I put down my first, my last in my security on my apartment. And I had $300 in my bank account. I had no job. Um, I just moved to uh, like the apartment that I had, never seen in my life. I just FaceTimed, um, the dude. And, uh, yeah, I moved into this tiny little room in Williamsburg. I mean, the smallest room I've ever lived in. Uh, and it was crazy. And I, that's I, so crazy. You FaceTime towards your first place. I, I was in Korea. I had to like find the place in Korea. I, I left the U S with no apartment. My apartment subletted in Boston and no place in New York. I was like, you know, if I come back and I'm on the street, I'm on the street. Like I just, I just like, I mean, my ex had my dog and stuff at the time. And like, of course I could have stayed with him worse come to worse, you know, but like, it was just like, I remember just being like, yeah, I just gotta, just gotta go. And I, I had waitress from 15, um, on, and I had just, I went into every single restaurant within like 10 blocks of my apartment for like a week and a half. And I just was like, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. And then I got a job at a restaurant and then they trained me. And then they were like, um, we actually don't need you. And I like, didn't know the New York like restaurants and how they're just so like in and out, like, don't give a shit. And 
I was so shaken up, but then I got another job and, um, I worked that place until they actually closed. Um, oh, like, wow. but they, they ended up closing, which is a bummer. But, uh, I worked like five nights a week for like the first like five, six months of being here, just five, six nights a week at the restaurant. And, uh, I love that. I love like hearing that, like eating that shit because it's like, you have to do that and you need that grit. You like, need you, to eat you the shit. No, I was just having a conversation with one of my friends the other day and they were just talking about moving and I was like, you need to rip the fucking bandaid off. I was like, it, this is what it comes down to. Like you could wait around your whole life for five years. Oh, I'm going to save more money. I'm going to save more money before I move to New York to, 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 to get to my dream. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Guess what? All that time's going to go by and that window's going to have been missed. Like I moved here at, uh, I think I was 22 when I moved here. Um, just turned 22. Uh, wow. maybe yeah. not even honest. No, I was 22. I just turned 22 yeah. and, um, I moved here and now I'm 24 and I've been here for, you know, whatever, three years. And the amount of shit that like I have accomplished and just been able to do. And like, I, and if I didn't take that, I needed to struggle. Like, I don't think that you can ever care about something enough until you've really struggled for it until you've had a dollar in your bank account after you've paid your rent and you have to figure out a way to make money for you and your dog and like to put food on the table. Like I really don't think that you know what your character is and like, you know, your true strength of character until you've been through things like that. I think that if you never test your character, you're never going to really know like what you care about. I think the things that you care about really come out when you struggle. And I mean, I struggled the first year I was here when I mean I paid my rent and I had a dollar in my bank account. Sometimes I truly mean that like it was insane. I was crying all the time. I was so stressed out. Um, my ex and me had a great relationship. I ended up, um, ruining our relationship because we were in a distance relationship and I just was so miserable all the time and it wasn't fair to him. And, um, so like, you know, I, I sacrificed a lot of things and I sacrificed a lot of things when I moved here. Like I have a lot of friends that are in relationships. Like my ex and me have no problems We're, we're I we're great friends. Like we have a beautiful relationship, but I had to move away from my career. And I understood that, like, it's just little things like that. You have to really put yourself first and you have to just like, you got to just do it. And if you really want to be like a fashion photographer, personally, I feel that you can't work for other people. I feel like you have to make your name as yourself. I feel like your entity needs to be your name. Like Sydney Clear needs to be my brand, needs to be my entity. And if I don't work on that actively every single day, it's never going to reach the potential that I needed to reach by, you know, X amount of time. And I'm not saying I have like a timeline, but I have huge goals for my work and like where I want my work to be. So. I mean, from the outside, just as someone who's been vicariously living through your experience as like the kick-ass New York photographer, which I completely enjoy. And thank you for being so vulnerable on social media, something that so many people are afraid to do. Like, it's so cool to kind of watch your journey and to see you get these opportunities and to do these things and to like change up your hustle amid amongst all this like COVID and everything like that too. I think um, that like, thank you so much, by the way. And I think that... yeah. I don't know. Being real. I had, to, social... I had to give you those props at some point because that, that was something I was spending my mind. I just feel like being real on social media is really important. And I feel like um, I try to give any kind of advice or like 
experiences that I've had to other people like via word of mouth or talking or just like, I'm a very, like, I'm not going to like, if somebody DMs me something and they're like, yo, I just need advice on this. I'm going to send a really long message back and be like, this is how, cause I feel like your job as an artist is not to only create work, but it's also to like help those around you, like get to their potentials of where they want to be in their work and like help those around you maybe like realize things that you didn't realize. Like I was never, confident growing up like I was so self-conscious all through high school all through college I didn't even sort in high school like I'm just like now I love who I am I'm so comfortable with like myself and like my being and you know what it's all com- it, it has all come from having like something other than like I feel like this generation you know it's a lot of looks social media like just like being the it girl or the it guy and like this weird mm-hmm. like thing around just like being like but once you attach like a purpose to your life other than like anything past vanity or just like what like stuff like that and you have like a deep like purpose and like you feel like you you can make an impact that's what makes you feel beautiful you know what i mean like i feel like my essence and like my work is half of the reason why i have the confidence i do now because it's like i'm not only just a person i'm a person with like also like this this thing you know what i mean i don't know how to are you saying that like through your photography you're growing with it like while you're oh my god yeah as a person like my photography like that's what yeah as an artist the more i grow and the more confident i become with my work the more confident i become as a person like i feel like i was never like i just i'm just was never a confident person but now i'm so Mm. confident i can walk into a room and put myself right in front of whoever i need to put myself in front of and talk to them because I'm confident in my work and I'm confident with myself. Like I don't, I don't look in the mirror or anything and look at what I look like. I don't give two shits because like, I'm so conscious about how much of a presence my work has that like, it doesn't even matter to me, like what I look like, because I know that people will see beauty in like my existence through my work. I mean, you're definitely not scared to put yourself out there on the gram either. I see you out there mixing it up in the feed with your with your with your posing. Okay, I see. Listen, as a photographer, you should know how to pose your own body. That's always a thing. Um, like, that's a I big think fact, right I there. I just like <laughs> if you don't like. I mean, I just take all the the shit I tell other people and I just do it to myself. Like, I should a hundred percent know how to pose myself in a good way. I do it for a living for other people all the time. I feel. I'm weird about self-portraits. I like when people take photos of me, like a lot of the ones I've been posting are mm-hmm. people photographing me. I like when people do that. Cause then I like a fresh perspective outlook. Like I, I like a fresh, like artistic perspective on myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see my own perspective. I want to see like other people's perspectives. Um, but yeah, you should always know how to take a good photo of yourself as a photographer. Cause then if you can't, do you really yeah, know right. pictures of other people? Like, as photographers, I, it's like that. That should be like prerequisite number one. Hundred like, percent. Can, can you make yourself look good? But and I and also I, feel, you know, I was my first subject. My sister and my oh. myself were my first subject when I was nine. Who do you think I was taking photos of? Like myself and my sister, and like especially when I was like in high school. I remember eighth grade, like seventh grade to high school. That specific time, I remember I was taking a ton of self-portraits because I was from a small town. There was not a lot of people. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was only able to use myself. So I really like how that ends up coming back in my work as I get older in like little yeah, it, spurts. 
It's, it's so funny how how a lot of us, it's like we started taking photos of ourselves at such a young age. Crazy. Be, like whether it was like MySpace or whatever it was, I remember being there with like my friends and just like trying to do cool poses and shit. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so cringe now. But I'm just like, Bruce, what were you thinking? Yeah, but it, it's so like, it's like the blueprint for why. I don't know. I feel like um, there's a lot of things I can dedicate. I can like t- say that like I owe my creativity to, but a lot of it is like, Harry Potter was a big one for me. Like that's wait, wait can crazy. I can I can I pull up a, a photo since we're talking about your young self? Can I pull yes. a photo on the screen? Is oh it my the God, Instagram I... one with the camera? Wait, let me see if I can get it. I wait, think wait. I know which one you're talking about. There's a nice gap tooth, and I have like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that picture. I love that. I love that camera. That's I still use that camera. It's a great camera. Um you were crushing it back then. But what was really interesting about this photo is not only is it relatable to like what you just said, but yeah. the caption was, is what got me. It says, starting the new decade with the mind of how long I've been doing this, myself ever to think, how badly do I want this? 2020 is all about my career. Who would have thought that this would be the new reality of 2020? <laughs> it's funny though. It's funny how God works because I actually landed the biggest contracted gig I've ever landed during this quarantine. And no shit. Congrats. That's um, awesome. Thank you. I can't really obviously say much other than that, but of course it's, um, God works in funny ways. Um, you know, I, I, I really think that he, he shows like, I don't know, whatever you believe in, like, you know, I believe in God, whatever anybody else believes in, listen to this, you know, but whatever your like thought, like belief is with like, kind of just like how life works, like, it's going to show you things like it's going to show you things. Like I've, I, I would never think that during a virus outbreak in New York city the craziest place in the world to be, I would book my biggest contracted gig like to date. And it's with my, the biggest company I've ever worked with. And like, you know, it's just like, I, I cried for hours when I got this gig because like, I couldn't even believe it was reality. And wow. I think that, you know, it's like little things like that really show you like, it's like, okay, yeah, it's hard right now, but like Sydney, you're in the right place. You know, you're in the right place and you're doing the right stuff. And I, I don't know my, it's weird. It's weird. I feel I could never settle or anything like in my life because I have too many signs like that throughout my life. Like there's too many signs every day. And like, just like in my general, like just my biggest like life things have been these crazy signs that like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And like, it's supposed to be bigger than what I'm doing now. And it's just, yeah, I I think you're right. Life definitely does give you signs that you're on the right path. You know, even when things are really hard like this, like life definitely has a way of just being like, look, like remain positive. I mean, like when I, when I mean I had a mental breakdown, was crying, didn't know how I was going to stay in New York city and like, was like in a pillow in like my bed, like literally just like giving up the night before I got the call for the campaign. It was the wildest thing. And I got the call in the morning. And it was the craziest thing. I just remember being like, are you kidding? I remember saying the night before, like, God always finds a way for me. Like, he's going to find a way for me. It was, it, well, I, I, I cried. Like, I cried. I, I'm like tearing up thinking about it now because it's just like, I don't know. And if, if you get signs like that, like from the universe or whatever you believe in, like, and you actively like don't go like, towards those things that god's giving you or whatever you believe in is giving you for those signs like you're missing out because like they show it shows you it shows you time and time again like here it is this is what you want like it's really crazy and to add on to that i'd say that like out of 
all the photographers that I've been kind of watching during this whole kind of quarantine and pandemic and just seeing how different people are adjusting to it and, and kind of re shifting their focus. This whole FaceTime photo shoot has become really big. And I would say out of everyone I've been seeing, you have somehow like <laughs> finessed, like you've just been doing so well at the FaceTime shoots. Like you've been crushing those. I really, I think there's a lot with the FaceTime shoots that I can talk about, but I think it, what it comes down to is the first thing I want to talk about is like, when everybody started doing the FaceTime shoots, I heard a lot of photographers going, I don't want to do that. I'm going to wait till I can make real work, blah, 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 blah. You're never going to, you're, it goes right back to what I was saying before. How are you going to make money? If like, you're not making any work, like if you can't work with the times and what you're given, like to make work, you're not actually caring about your art. You're caring about other people because like, I care about my art. I physically could not, not shoot for three months. I was dying. And until I figured out how to do the FaceTime shoots, I was miserable. When I figured out the FaceTime shoots, when I mean, I like literally instantly felt a rush of like, cause I knew that I could shoot. It was crazy. The other thing I have to say about the FaceTime shoots is you're using this tiny screen. So, and you just have to like, it goes right back to everything I like to talk about when it doesn't fucking matter what you shoot with. I tell, I say it all the time. Do not ask me what I shoot with. It does not matter what you shoot with. The only thing that matters is your artistic vision and how you direct your subject. I'm the most directive person over these FaceTimes. I turn the front. The reason why they're so high quality is because I turn the camera to the front facing camera and I make them turn it, they can't even see themselves the entire time. And I'm fully oh, directing. Oh, you mean, you mean the back camera where it's like the higher quality? The higher quality camera. I'm making them turn oh. it. The whole time, they can't even see themselves. I'm directing the whole thing. The reason my, why mine come out like my photos is because I'm doing everything actively that I do in my photos to make the shot. You know what I mean? It's not even, and the subject can't even see themselves. And that's really important because it, the subject seeing themselves, it, it brings it back to FaceTime. And as soon as you take the camera and you turn it and they have a a lens point to get themselves, it brings it back to a photo shoot. It's really weird. You're so right. Yeah. It's like, it's the same dynamic where they can't look at what you're shooting. They're just kind of resting on like what you have to say. And now like knowing that I'm using the front camera and you will look at all that work, you would have no idea that I was using the, the, the higher quality camera and that I was directing because, but when I mean I'm heavily, I'm being like moved to your left two inches, like bring your head up mm -hmm. a little bit more. Like it's like, but like I said, I, troubleshooted the shit out of these like I, I you saw the progression like on my instagram from when i started shooting them with the phone yep exactly and then this, now this was the first one like, i saw yeah yeah it's the first one i did and now they're starting to look like photo shoots like actual just regular photo shoots with the digital manipulations and everything like that but you see how i i have a learning curve you know what i mean and i'm i'm, I'm using the learning curve and then like this out. is pretty recent right? right that's recent and that's all iphone that's just facetime like that's a facetime Dude, live that's photo. that's so crazy when you started posting these like facetime i was like what i was like this is facetime and then you even take it the step and you edited it i was like dude this is like this is so sick it's, it's just like, you know, I'm taking the photos and I'm making them mine. And like, at the end of the day, like they look like my photos. I'm, I'm very happy with them when I'm done with them. And I like, I love that one. That's so beautiful. Like I would this take one, that oh. on like a normal, bit. and Vogue Italia took like a ton of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it just goes to show you that like, I don't care if you want to argue with me a hundred times that you need the right camera and the right stuff. Like, don't give me that. Like you can go and you can make whatever you need to make. And you know what? I've been doing these FaceTime shoots now for fun. Like my friend FaceTimed me the other day and she was like, I look really good. Like she just looked good. And I was like, let's do a shoot. And now I'm realizing, <laughs> oh my God, in real life, 
I can do this anytime too. I can do this with people in different oh, that's countries. So true. In that's different so countries int- wow. that I can't shoot with because they can't come to New York. You know, I did a shoot with a girl in Finland and I was like, this is amazing. I can do this on a regular basis. I'm not even going to drop the FaceTime shoots when this is over. I'm going to use it. Oh, you just blew my mind with that one right there too. Holy crap. Like I never thought about that. It's not just a remedy for what we're doing now. Like these FaceTime shoots, like they hold their own, but it's just a way to quickly connect. And as a photographer, it gives us like another stream of income or like another way to attack something or or just to work with someone. Just to work with someone. I have so many people that DM me. There's this girl that lives in Australia. I would love to work with that. We talk all the time. You know what I mean? Now I can FaceTime her and just do a shoot with her. Like, and it's like, I think that it just goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. It's just, you need to use the tools that you have to make work. Like if you are given FaceTime, Thank God we have FaceTime. Imagine if this happened 10 years ago, we would have no way to make work at all. Like I would have no way to make anything and I would have no way to make money. Like you need to be using the tools that you have at hand to be making. Every artist before us has adhered to the times and figured out a way to, to make their, we wouldn't have modern art if we didn't keep evolving as artists. Like, so like, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like you, we literally have no excuses to not be doing it. We just find a new way. And luckily yes. we have technology. So, so there is a new way. Who knows? Maybe if it was like pre-computers, we would have been like mailing in something. I don't know what we would have. Right. And that's it. And that's like the beauty of it. I mean, it's just like, or just doing it over a phone call and, you know, self-directing the person with a camera, you know, like on the phone. And like, it's just like, I don't know, but we're really lucky to have what we have now. And like, the FaceTime shoots for me, they've just, if any, I can't wait to go shoot in real life. I, sh- I shot like a campaign on my roof with, for my friend's body butter brand. I just like posted mm-hmm. them recently. Um, and um, that was like, we just did that me and her socially distanced like on my roof. And I held my own reflector and I was able to take those with just me and her on my roof. And I did all the creative direction and the styling and the set design. Like we, it was just me and her. And you know, it's it, it just goes to show you that like, I now from, um, my dog just broke in. I'm, I'm so dead. Um, she broke in the door. She like opened, just opened it. the door. Yeah. Pushed she, it open. She's a pit bull. You know what I mean? So they're smart. So, uh, oh my God. so, uh, no, but you know, you're able to like, uh, like create, you know, with these FaceTime shoots and just like make things and you have to work with the times. And I think like, it just goes to show like, like we were saying, you know, we're lucky that we have the access to things that we do now and we're able to create to the extent that we are now. Mm-hmm. Something that I, I've noticed you post a lot is that Vogue Italia stuff. What is that? So, I've, okay, I've, so I, like, what, what is that whole system? I don't, I feel like I don't get it. Like, is it more significant than what I think it is? Like, I just don't know. So Vogue Italia is submission-based. It's the only Vogue platform that is submission-based. They have a submission-based platform called Photo Vogue, right? Monday mm-hmm. through Wednesday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Italian time. So that's 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. U.S. time. They um, do submission-based process. You can submit two photos a day. The editors at Vogue Italia will go through and they pick which photos get on the photo blog platform. They do um, a bunch that get accepted. They do uh, 500 best ofs, which are just like the best photos of the day. And then they do one photo of the day, Um, which is pretty crazy. Photo of the day is like a big deal because Mm -hmm. they're going through x amount of like already accepted and then you have the 500 best of and then you have that one you know photo of the day or i think it's like i don't know if it's 500 it might be like it might vary but i think it's like a, there's a bunch of like best ofs you know what i mean and then the photo of the day but um so i started submitting to vogue italia 
two years ago in Boston and I submitted every single day and I only had like five photos. Like I submitted for two weeks and had no photos in for a while. And like, I kept doing it and kept doing it. And every single Monday through Wednesday, I actually have an f- alarm on my phone and it goes off at 2am. And I just like, if I wake up, I submit it or like if I'm up at the time I submit it, or if I don't submit it at 2am, I wake up early at like eight and I submit it Monday through Wednesday. And I kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing that. And I love when people are like, Vogue Italia doesn't matter. It's just submission-based. It's not going to do anything for you because I ended up getting a gold profile so I can submit three a day now because they love my stuff so much that they actually like put me up into a gold profile. Um, I can submit three a day. I have 233 photos in Photo Vogue over the last two years of submitting Monday through Wednesday every single week. And they close for weeks too. So they'll be closed for like two weeks, three weeks sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I did that almost every single week consistently for two years and I have 233. So it was just a nice consistency thing. And like, it would take me a while to get them in. Now every single one I put up gets in and that's just a difference in, in style and growth. But the biggest thing for me, I've gotten be- a, a bunch of best of is I think like 15 out of the 233 best ofs. The craziest wow. one for me though was I put up a photo of my best friend, Hope, and I shot it in my living room. It's a photo of her with two fingers out like this. She's got two blue things in her hair. She's wearing this sparkly shirt that is actually mine, and I had done all the styling. I think she's wearing my Adidas sports bra on it, too. Anyways, I did it in my living room with a backdrop, like no, no just crazy, weird lighting situation. I put that photo on Photo Vogue, and it got photo of the day, the best one pick of the day and that is so awesome alicia giovanno the editor of vogue italia posted my photo on her instagram and she had to type out my name in the caption (laughs) so i don't really care what you say to me that if you say it doesn't matter vogue italia doesn't matter it's not i don't that that lady had to type out my damn name into that caption and she had to post my photo and also all the people that follow her the five hundred thousand of them saw the photo and also it was on vogue photo vogue's main spread page because they put the photo of the day on the main page for the whole day so like wow no and i i get that like yes it is submission based yes it is like maybe it doesn't have validity for some people that because it's submission based but i'm sorry like She's like, they're eventually going to call me for something if I keep submitting and I end up with like 2000 photos on Photo Vogue and like they keep, and I've seen them feature photographers for actual editorials that they've gotten off of their Photo Vogue platform. So it's just about making like an impact in that platform. But if you care enough and you're consistent and you're actually making good work, you're going to make an impact. So... I mean, last time I checked, that's exactly the person you want reposting your photo. Exactly. <laughs> like, and like I, isn't that what a, that's literally what a fashion photographer wants is to be in Vogue. And the person who's doing it on the town site is reposting on her Instagram. That is it. Like that is like, that's, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm glad you broke that down. I, I was always wondering about that because I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical. I was kind of like, what the hell is this? But I didn't realize all those nuances of, of the photo Vogue and this a general and then like the tights and the tight selections. And I just feel, you know, like I said, yeah, you can argue and say it's submission-based and it has no validity, but, you know, at the end of the day, she had to post my photo with my name and, um, you know, I still have a gold profile and they know that I exist and, like, they're consistently, you know, accepting my work. And it's like, I don't know, I just, I think that you can't have, like, that attitude towards anything. You have to do everything as you can as a creative to get your work out. 
you know, I do everything consistently. And like, I think it's about how you do it too. A lot of people say, um, with Instagram, they're like, Oh, I wait till five to post or two. I'm like, what are you talking about? Put your workout that you care about whenever the fuck you want to put it out on your Instagram, because you need that to be a constant stream that's updated of your work. Like, I don't want to hear that you have to, you you can't mess with your algorithm or your page. Everybody always says, Oh my God. Everyone's Everyone is so caught up on these little, little niche things, things about like, Instagram. And it's so annoying. It's not, it's not a thing. Like I hate when people say, oh, the aesthetic of my page. And they're like, how do you get such a nice aesthetic? And I'm like, I post all my fucking work and I don't care. And I don't pay attention. And it ends up looking like my aesthetic because my work has an aesthetic. Like, it's like, if you have an aesthetic and if you have a style, you just need to post your work because it's going to all be there. When you, if you go through my feed, there's a color scheme, like a very specific color scheme when you go through my, there feed. is, and that is all from me just posting my work. And I don't even plan out which ones to put next to each other. Nothing, none of that. I'm just like, boom, 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 boom. And I find that when I am working the best and I'm making the best work, everything on my Instagram looks the best and the color scheme looks the best because I'm in my best state of mind as a creative and my style is the most. That's such a healthier way to handle Instagram because people, you're right, people get so caught up, how's my feet aesthetic? Oh, this portrait's not going to look good next to this landscape, but the tones aren't matching. It's like- fucking cares? How how many times has someone called you back? Hey, you know, we we really want to pay you for this gig because the layout of your Instagram is just so good. Okay, at the end of the day, think about it. When everything comes back, who are you posting for? If you're asking those questions, you're not posting for yourself. You're not posting your work to just put your work out. If you look at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever the fuck as a creative, as just a way to get your work in front of more people. And I think I have a special, I have a special, um, perspective. I grew up with 6,000 people in my hometown. So for me, I'm very appreciative. I do. I have a lot more followers than people in my hometown. And for me, I'm very appreciative of that. The fact that I can get my work out to that many people for a long time, that was not a reality. I did not know how to do that. So if you use it in the way that you're just getting it out to people, you can't get it out to like when, when this campaign that I'm doing comes out, it's going to drop to 20 million people on social media. Um, no, no more than that. I'm sorry. Like 50 million, like literally like 50 million people are probably going to see this. So I could never get my workout to 50 million people on my own. So I will hundred percent accredit Instagram, social media for that stuff, but you have to use it as just a platform to get your workout. And the more you take away, I only follow creatives I'm inspired by. I only follow, um, like art, just art. I've actually unfollowed like a lot of people I know and people from my high school, just because I don't need to see that stuff at the end of the day. Like if you take up space in your mind and it's not personal, it's nothing. It's just okay, I need to have this as a platform where I like, come on, I am inspired and I post work. And once you put it down to those three things and that's it, I hate DMs even. I really hate DMs. People are like, you don't answer your DMs. I'm like, well, I have 67 requests and I get about like 40 DMs a day. So what do you think? I'm going to like be able to go through all this like an email. Like I, I feel, email me if you want to get to me, number one. Like do not DM me. It's not professional. Number two, like use it as just a way to get your work out. And yeah, I think, I think that that perspective does come from being from a small town, but like, even I don't think I have a lot of Instagram followers now, even though like a lot of people like, you know, it depends. It's relative, but like, you know, I have like whatever nine K and you know, I'm like, to me, that's crazy to have nine K. I grew up with 6,000 people. So like to have nine K 9,000 people actively looking at my work, like I'm so grateful 
but I feel like you have to kind of keep that mindset through it too. Like if you ever like blow up on Instagram, you can't be like, Oh now I'm the shit. Like keep that same energy that you had when you had nine K, you know what I mean? Like in the way that, you know, you're grateful for it. I think the fine line with using Instagram is use Instagram. Don't let it use you. Like, exactly. It, it ha- like it has to be a tool and not something that allowed that dictates your actions and your thoughts and your day and, and changes your opinion on things. And you're right. Like you have to unfollow those unhealthy people on your feed. Cause that's literally what you're putting into your mind. And what's in your mind is like a thought and thoughts become actions and all that stuff. Exactly. It's real woo woo, but there's some truth to that because if I was looking at hot chicks on Instagram all day, I'm sure that's all I would think about. But if I'm seeing work from people that inspire me, I'm like, maybe I get inspired or maybe there's something follow, I took like, away from it. I have friends and stuff that like, honestly, like, you know, I love them, but maybe their work isn't the greatest and I won't follow them either because I really just don't want to see like work that isn't like <laughs> top tier on my feed. No. And it, that sounds terrible. That's pretty savage. <laughs> it's, I don't, but I don't mean it like that. It's I, yeah, follow, I, I, know, I, know, I know. the people I follow for photographers are the people that are like, I am so inspired by the people that are at the absolute top that I like absolutely would love to be. And like when I see their feeds and stuff, that's my inspiration. That's my point Mm. that I need to get to. And the more you surround yourself, it goes back to the same thing as putting yourself in a room with a bunch of people that are at the same level you want to be at. I always tell people when you go into a room with people, do not act like a fan. Do not act like a fan club. Do not like go in and introduce yourself like you are on the same level as them. Because if you want to work with those people, you have to put yourself on the same level. I think that comes right back to Instagram. If you want to be that big time photographer, only follow those big artists and photographers and stylists and set designers and people in your industry that inspire you. My whole feed, everybody I follow is, if it's not a photographer, it's a set designer or it's a um, makeup artist or a hair artist or a um, stylist. It's everything in my industry. You know what I mean? And then like people that inspire me, like you can't, it's the same as putting yourself in that room. Imagine Instagram's a room and like you're putting the only things you see in that room now are those things that you want to be at, you know? Yeah. And not only that, it's, you're probably interacting with those people. So it's like, why would you waste your time interacting with people who aren't the people you want to be in that room with? It's like, you might end up interacting with someone who's operating on like a lower level than you. But if you by default are interacting with that photographer, that designer, that stylist, you're now in their head. You're now in their mind. They see those comments. They see right. those likes. Like, and I, I, I don't mean like, I'll fo- I follow a lot of my friends that maybe like, you know, their work isn't super, you know, advanced or anything. But I think what it comes down to is I, I really pay attention to content. If, if you're my friend, but all you shoot is naked girls, I'm unfollowing you. I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to see that on my feed all the time. I think it's just like, it's what you're, I can always tell when somebody's making work for work for Instagram or they're making work for themselves. And Ooh, I'm that's, very that's, particular. That's a, vi- that's a very interesting conversation right there is are you making, yeah, that right there. Is it for you? Is it for work you want to get, or is this just and you can you tell, chasing likes? You can tell, and if, if you if you actually care about art and understand art, you know what an Instagram art aesthetic is, and you know what an actual individual like entity. It's your own thing. The people I follow are so innovative. All of them are different. You can you can tell their work from a mile away. Renelle Madrano, I see a photo that's taken by her. I literally know it's hers. I literally will call out the photographers that have taken photos that I see in public on, you know, ads, campaigns, stuff like that, mm-hmm. because I know their work, they have a style like, and that, that's it. That's when you've made it. Honestly, that's when you made it. That's when you have the work that you need. How, how important is it to you to find a style? 
the most important thing in the world. I've been working on my style for 14 years and I don't think I'm nearly done. I think I'm just starting to hit where my next phase of my style. I think that this like orange, yellow, deep browns, deep reds. Um, can I, can I pull up some of my favorites that show some of this style? Because Maybe, that was something yeah. I really wanted to bring up because looking at your work, um, let me see. I think you like you you get closer to your style the harder you work and the more that you put time in. You know, it's all about time. I ran across this. The this was one. Yes. It's a little bit of an older one, but this was one of a shot that I completely I was love like, that picture. Yes, because it's everything like that's kind of against the grain. She's looking away. It's the back of someone's head, but there's so much else going on. But this color scheme, I feel like, is pretty accurate of a lot of the tones and editing you've been doing recently. Definitely, I feel like I've moved into this like different era of my work and but that's the thing like you should always be moving into new eras you should always be finding new ways to make work like I used to shoot everything when I first like got a nice DSLR shoot and a 35 1.4 I'd shoot everything at 1.4 half of the shit on my Instagram shot at like f22 now I'm the craziest shooter in the world I literally go up down up down and I don't I, I'm lucky because I've had a camera in my hand for so long I don't have to really look at the camera but I like that I don't look at it I break all the rules photographically like but I'm so comfortable in my style and what I like that I know that if I break all those rules, I'm going to get what I want. And I think that that's really when you start to break those rules and you start to get what you want, not what the book says, not what the photography almanac, like little book says that says to put your F stop at blah, blah, blah. When you start Rule actually, <laughs> yes, all exactly. But like when you start to actually like say, no, I actually shoot my stuff at F22. I shoot a lot of my um, city fashion images. Like when I'm back in the real world, like, you know, you notice how a lot of my fashion stuff, when somebody's far away, everything's in focus in the back. Like everything's like, you see the whole scene, everything, because I'm shooting at F22 and I know that's what I like. Like, it's just like weird things like that. Or like those hand shots that I always do with the hands in focus. Like I'm at like F22 mm. for those too. Like, it's just like little things. And I still come down to F1.42 still. And I hate talking about tech, but I'm not thinking about my tech at all when I'm shooting. I'm not like, oh, the optimal thing is 2.8 like i am literally a psycho that's not what you should be thinking about when you're shooting if you're thinking about like what your camera is doing you've already lost it's not about that it's not about that i always tell people that my favorite shoots and the way that i shoot my biggest thing the reason why i get the photos i get the photos like that i do in the moments that i do and everything is because the subject forgets about the camera me and the subject are not thinking about the camera. The minute that you and the subject are connecting and that camera disappears and that camera's not even there because the energy between you and the subject is on. This is like a great example because you can see in Maggie's, that's a really good friend of mine, obviously too, but you can see in her eyes, like she's just, that's it. And I remember I had taken mm. 20, 30 shots in that sec like second, like, you know what I mean? But I remember taking that shot and I always know when I get the shot. I, you do. I you can do. go through the back of my camera and I can go, they can go, what's your favorite five shots from the shoot today? I can scroll via my mind because I have a photographic memory so I can like figure out where they were on the shoot and I can be like this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. And like, I will tell you which ones are the best shots because I felt it in that moment. It's this weird dance that you're doing with the subject. It's a dance. You, it comes to this like dance. You're not thinking about the camera. You're working with the subject and you guys forget about it. And there's like, the, it's like being high on drugs. Like that's, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like being high on drugs. And that's what I chase right there. That's what I chase for my whole career. That's what I chase. That is like the essence of being a photographer we get to feel that feeling that nobody else feels like other than creatives. Like that's that. And 
I love those. Those are some of my, those are on my roof. Um, my friend. That set, that set was super fire. I loved that set. And even the editing of that set, I was like, whoa, I was, like, that was like something crazy about that set. This is my favorite I would thing love about to. photography. That was on a Saturday. My friend Kirsty came over. My friend Maggie came over. Kirsty had that wig from a fucking Frankenstein costume that she had did for Halloween. <laughs> we threw it on her. We went onto my roof. And do you want to know what those big things she's holding are? They're top. They look like paint buckets that were left yep. on my roof. Yep. And I love it. that. It's it's so ingenious. Like just that concept covering the chest and then and then covering she the looks bottom like she's part. Like three hundred, like the movie. I love it. This yeah, always, it's it always feels to me like. And the power that she has in these shots, she's power. Like she's just power. And like, it's crazy though. Like, yeah, so it's like, look at that lot. wig. Look at that wig right there. It, it, it had a big, <laughs> we turned it because it had a big, um, it had a big gray streak going up because it was, oh, no way. yes. And I, oh I ended up God. Photoshopping it or like, just like burning it in. I think, I don't know. It was so yeah. funny, but I mean like those, those are my bikini bottoms from a bathing suit that she's wearing. My dog chains around her neck that she's holding. That is my dog chain. Like that is one That's of so my dog's toe chains. Um, I think she had the boots or like maybe I think they might be my roommate's boots to be honest with you. Like, I don't know. Cause I have tiny feet. So I sometimes just grab shoes in my house. It was like a throw together. And like, those are some of my favorite photos to date. And I think that, yeah, like, I love that, but that's the beauty of being an artist, right? Half the stuff, like I've taken some beautiful campaigns that I've gotten paid a boatload of money for that I absolutely love. And they're my favorite work. But like, I've also mm -hmm. taken some beautiful shots that are in my favorite work that are just like free. And it was just me and my friends on a roof. Like the beauty of being an artist is like it, the, the specification shouldn't matter. Like how much you're getting paid, like blah, 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 blah. It's just how you feel and how that shot came out. So like, like some of my favorite photos are worth more to me than any other photo that I have that maybe I got paid like seven, eight times the amount for, because I just love that photo. And like, that's worth to me. Like, it's just that moment. I don't know. Like I mean, Cynthia, like even, even that set we were just talking about, I love the ingenuity there. It's like, it's, you had the idea and you just brought it all together and you would never guess that it was just thrown together a thrown Halloween together. wig. I mean, like, like, it's just, and you turned it into something else. Like that's the beauty of it. You have to do things for yourself as an artist. And I feel like, um, okay, like Cynthia is my favorite story ever. I met a woman, she was in her mid seventies. She came into a restaurant I worked at in Dumbo. I was like, I love your look so much. I would love to take photos of you. Um, we talked for two months about it. She had never modeled in her life. She had um, worked at Lenox Hill Hospital as a nurse for 42 years and had just recently retired. And she um, was so beautiful. There's just something about her. And like, I loved her like essence. I just remember being like her essence is just so beautiful. And we ended up working it out after two months. I put together hair, makeup, everything. And we, I rented a studio on my birthday and paid for the studio myself wow. on my birthday for Cynthia just to do this shoot because I wanted to do this shoot for myself. That was my birthday wow. present to myself. I rented a studio to shoot an older woman I had met in a restaurant because I wanted to style her and put makeup on her and do like, and we shot photos and we put her in all this high fashion stuff and the photos got on Bogotalia and she was so happy. And I'll never Aww. forget the, the moment that she called me and she said, Sydney, you've inspired my entire life and I want to be a model now. And like you inspired like me at 75 years old to like just start a new career. And like, I don't know, like it's, and we're, we're really good friends. We get dinner. Like once this is over, like we're going to like get dinner again and just mm -hmm. hang out. And like, I, I have this 
amazing 75 year old friend that has amazing perspectives that are so much greater than my 24 year old self. And like, I don't know. I remember I did the shoot with her and she said she really wanted a model. And I had a sleepwear brand hit me up for a campaign a couple months later. And they said that they needed an older woman in the campaign. And I booked her for the campaign and I shot a campaign with Cynthia as the model and she got paid and got a check from the company and was on their website. And like, love that. And the fact that like I had done that for her and like that one, just me asking her to take photos had opened a whole new door for her, like career wise at 72. Mm -hmm. Like that, what, what kind of price can you put on that? Like, I can't put a price on that, that $200 that I spent on that studio that day that means nothing to me. That means absolutely nothing to me. I don't even care. Like I was in negative for that shoot. I was negative 200 for that shoot. Why the fuck yeah. do I care? Every single person showed up, makeup, hair, all to do that just because of me. They wanted to do it for her. Like they did, they didn't, I didn't pay anybody. No. It was collaborative. Like everybody showed up. They knew I was covering the studio and they showed up on their own dime, on their own accord. And were like, I'm going to come do this. And that moment, Cynthia's relationship and that, was the most important moment to me in my entire photographic career. And it changed. That was like hands down, like the, the crazy, like it just, it was the most meaningful moment for me in my career. And just, you it's, know. it's definitely a testament to shooting for yourself, like creating work that is personal and creating work that means something to you. Cause it's those gigs that really connect with other people, make them want to hire you, make, make them want to work with you more. It's like, you didn't have to pay that 200 bucks on your birthday. Like all of that. I never had as a major you. burden. Yeah. I never had yeah. to ask Cynthia. She came into my restaurant. I could have not said anything. I could have just looked at her and been like, okay, what do you want to eat? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I, I'm not even supposed to do that. Like I, I don't work at restaurants anymore, but when I worked at restaurants, I was not supposed to give people my information, not supposed to tell them. I would do it all the time. Zoe Kravitz came in and I gave her my shit on written my website and my email on a waitressing package. Oh, yeah. And I said, here you go. Because at the end of the day, there's, you know, when I show up, to shoot her for Vogue in five years for the cover, like, cause like I'm shooting her for like, you know, something. And she's like, you look really familiar. I'm going to be like, I was the girl that gave you my information on a waitressing pad in Dumbo. And like, I want, I just want people to know that like, that's that putting yourself on the same level again. You know, it's just like, you are not anything less than the people that you want to be, or you want to work with. You're on the same level as them. And they, if you, if you respect your work as much as, you do and like you put your work out like you respect it at the level that they're at they will respect you on that level as well you know mm. you said something i thought was really interesting you talked about like capturing the essence of someone and looking at your work uh you seem to like work with models who aren't generically like the craziest most beautiful models but you work with these kinds of i don't want to say alternative because that seems offensive but i will just say alternative models but you seem to really capture them in a way that is like their feminine essence, like you seem to capture like the women sort of uh, like view in like a really nice way. I feel it comes down. I'm a female. I'm a female photographer. I want, you know, I dealt with being a woman just like, I feel like as a female photographer, I have a certain duty to just kind of like put the photos out that I want women to exist like. You know what I mean? Like I, I have like that power as a woman to like, and I feel like a lot of females that have worked with me they say like they feel so much com- more comfortable because i'm a female and i'm not trying to be creepy and everything and that sucks that like that's the general like vibe because at the end of the day like you should just be making art to make art and i feel like because i'm a female and because i want them to like i'm at that same i want if 
I love to feel powerful. I want to make women around me feel powerful. So I'm projecting that energy when I'm shooting. You know what I mean? I'm like, let me, let me use like this to like, you know, it's like our voice, like to like, just kind of, I don't know. I love making people look powerful. I love it. I, I know I like to like, feel like, and I feel it during the shoot. Everybody always says to me, like after they shoot with me, that they feel really good about themselves. And that's like really important to me. You, it's not about the images. It's about how you make the person feel. And when you make the person feel how you should make them feel, you get the images you want, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I definitely do feel like as a, as a woman photographer, you have a, a, a kind of advantage when it comes to working with female subjects than as a male photographer does. I feel like it just depends on how you do it. I think that if mm-hmm. you can be a male photographer and, but there is that special female energy that I get. And that's why I do shoot a lot of women. And that's why a lot of women are my subject because we do connect on that level. I think that that's, it's that, that equal empowerment, you know, they don't feel like they're being subjected on the lens. And I, and I don't feel like I'm being subjected as a woman because I'm photographing them the way I would want to be photographed. You know what I mean? Like in that powerful kind of just like essence, you know, I, I think that it's, it's just really like, that's what it comes down to in a way. Like, it's just like, I know plenty of male photographers that are great and amazing. Just don't be a creep. Like, just don't, don't use your power, like, as an abuse. Like, remember that people feel, the biggest thing as a photographer, and women can do this too. I'm not saying it's just men. As a photographer, you are making people feel vulnerable. You need to be responsible, responsible with that vulnerability. And you need to be, like, respectful of that vulnerability. And, like, you need to, like, just, like, just understand that you have that power and like you need to use it wisely. And I think that if you use it wisely, nobody's ever going to talk shit about you. But if you actually don't, then that's why people have bad reps. And once I hear something bad about a a male photographer or a female photographer in the way that they made people feel uncomfortable, I'm going to feel a different type of way about them because they're abusing their power. And you're lucky as a photographer to be able to photograph people in the way that we do. Like, so. I like that perspective. I like that. It's, it's, yeah, when you can manage to make someone feel vulnerable, which is how you want someone to feel in front of your lens, it is a certain responsibility to that power. I never really looked at it like that. Yeah. That's interesting. But I, I mean, look, I do definitely think it's a lot easier to be a female and be like, hey, why don't we try something like with your hand over your tits than it, like for me as a male photographer? I think it depends. Do like I that. don't really ever tell people to put their hand over their tits. It just kind of well, happens through, do you know what I mean though? Like, mm-hmm. think about yeah. like, it's all about how you say things. I don't tell anybody to do anything. I just kind of direct them and move them in the way that I want to move them. I think that when you say, oh, you know, if a dude were to say, oh, can you put your hand over your tits? They're thinking about their boobs. That's clearly what you're thinking about. When I shoot nudes, I don't really look at the person's body. I kind of just look at their face and the connection with them. And like what we get is ends up being very beautiful and like very like whatever, because they feel comfortable. That's what it comes down to. It's really just about, like you shouldn't as if you're not objectifying a woman's body, you won't have to tell them anything because you're not objectifying it. Who cares if you, like a, a boob is showing? Cause it's just anatomy. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't feel the need to tell somebody you should just like work them through it in the way that you want to pose them differently, but maybe just not say it outright. You know what I mean? That's like where I feel like that. There's a way of. to address something or say something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. So you said that you like two years ago, you moved from uh, Connecticut to New York. Now, what has your perspective changed as far as like your thoughts about what New York would be and what you are and where you are now? Like, has your perspective on being a fashion photographer changed a lot? Like, is it 
a lot different than you thought it would be? Is it Stop different up. in a bad way? Is it different in a good way? I'm just kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that, well, okay. So I, I grew up in Connecticut and then I moved to Boston for school, but Boston's very um, closed minded. It's just kind of like, it's still like regressed in a lot of ways and it's just different and there's no artistic community. So I felt like it was just mm -hmm. still kind of like, but when I moved to New York, um, I don't really know what it is to be a fashion photographer. I couldn't even tell you that right now, to be honest with you, because it's just so complex. There's so many things, there's so many levels of like what it is to just do what you do. And I guess if anything, the one thing that it's taught me is like, there's no linear way to do things. And like, everybody's going to have different ways of getting to their goals and like where they want to be. Like personally, I know I can't work a nine to five. I like to put all my time towards my work. And like, I like to just like, I know that I get, the most progress artistically when I'm just putting my all of my work a hundred percent of the time. So it's like, I think that I've definitely had learning curves when I, since I moved here, like, I think like in the beginning, I just kind of shoved my work at people and my work was not that good when I moved here. And now I wish I could just like redo some of the meetings I did when I first moved here. Um, you know, cause I feel like when I moved here, it was like big, bright, starry eyed. I would go into like, I had a meeting with Vogue and I had a meeting with the junior photo editor and like, I remember going in there and I just was so thankful to be there that like, I feel like I got kind of lost in the fact that I was there versus now I would go in and have a strong presence and be like, this is my work. I'm a boss bitch. And like, I'm grateful to be here, but I'm supposed to be here kind of thing. You know what I mean? But I think that comes with growth and that comes with growing from work. And I, I'm not mad that I went into Vogue when I first moved here. Like I went in, I moved here August of 2017. I, I had my meeting in December and I'm not, I'm not mad that I just marched in there. And, you know, I got that meeting for myself and I got a lot of the meetings that I did get when I moved here for myself. But I think that it, you need to kind of just do those things yourself and like kind of embarrass yourself a little and like figure those things out to just kind of Fail a couple yourself. meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I love, I love my uh, relationship with Gabrielle Korn. She's the, uh, edit, the editor in chief at, um, refinery 29 but she used to be the editor-in-chief at nylon and so i moved to new york and there was a fashion week party in september and my friends like were supposed to meet me there but i got there early and like they got there late and they couldn't get in because the rsvp was closed so i'm at this fashion week a party like at like a bar for nylon alone in new york like my first like month here and i'm just like so embarrassed and i was just like what the fuck but i had looked up what gabrielle corn had looked like their editor-in-chief and i just knew who she was and I saw her and I was like, let me go out to her. So I went up to her alone, like with no, none of my friends, nothing. And I was like, hi, my name is Sydney Claire. Like I just moved to New York. I'm, I'm a fashion photographer. I'd really love to work with nylon. Can I get your email? She was like, of course. So she gave me her email and I emailed her and she never answered me. But this is the craziest part. So like she didn't answer me, but I had her email. And then I did a, I shot this girl, Andrea Vallet. Um, uh, and she was a music artist and we were looking for publications and I ended up emailing it out to nylon to her email. Cause I was emailing like everybody I knew. And then I was like, I found out that Andrea was getting featured on nylon's Instagram story that next week as like a featured artist, but they didn't, they weren't doing like an editorial or anything, but they were featuring her that next week. So I was like, this is a really good. And then it was fashion week. Um, so September fashion week was when I had given her, gotten her email. This was like the, the winter fashion week, like after, um, mm -hmm. like, so whatever it is, February fashion week. And I remember I saw her walking with my friend when we, she came out of a show and my friend had known her. So she went up to her and she was like, Gabrielle, like, hi. And we, she was talking to her and I, I, 
after she finished talking to her, I was like, hey, uh, Gabrielle, my name is Sydney Claire. I, like, came up to you at, like, the Nylon Mag Party, like, last fashion week. And she was like, I remember you. And I was like, I actually emailed you. Like, I emailed you, um, Andrea Vallée. I know you're featuring her on your Instagram, like, on Monday. And I emailed you an editorial I just shot with her, and it's unpublished. She goes, just send me a follow-up email. My my inbox gets so crazy during fashion week. I sent her a follow-up email, and my editorial was on Nylon Magazine that Monday. But that, wow. but that connection took six months, like almost, you know what I mean? And like, it was like me, like bothering her multiple times in front of her. And now, like I saw her at fashion week this year, she's like, Hey, Sydney, how are you? You know? And that right there that that, is everything. Yeah. That's such like that New York story that like you love to hear, you know, it's like that connection that you really need. It's like from the outside, you always think about how do I make that connection? How do I, you have to make that? it yourself. And if you don't, I was not born into fashion. I was not born into the fashion industry. My parents are working class. My dad owns a used car dealership and sells used cars to low income people from his low income hometown in Connecticut. And like, you know, I'm not from, my parents have taught me to work hard. My dad has taught me to work the hardest that anybody has ever taught me to work. If I can give anything to my dad, it is that he grew up hard. He lost his dad at 13 and he just showed me how to be a tough person. But if you're, if you don't have parents that like are in the industry, if you don't have like friends connections, if you're not rich, like if you don't just have that, you need to shove yourself into that industry. And like, if you keep putting yourself in front of those people, they're never going to be able to ignore you forever. That's how I feel. And like, I feel like now, like Gabrielle knows my work and she sees like physically how much my work has, even since the editorial we put out last year at for nylon, like grown, you know what I mean? All those people, they, they pay attention to you because you're consistent. And then they're like, oh, this artist actually is working really hard. And this artist is actually making a lot of progress. And then you start to get some of those big opportunities that you really wanted, you know? And like, mm. I don't know, you just got to put your shit out. Like I put a lot of work out on Instagram and like, I always put my work out and I've gotten a lot of emails. Hey, we saw your work on Instagram. We would love to, <coughs> hey, stop. <coughs> we, we, would lo- we would love you to shoot like, you know, this cover or shoot this or that. And like, it's just from Instagram. So it's like, it's little things like that, you know, where you're just like really shoving yourself into the industry if you're not already in it. And like, it's being respectful, but it's also putting yourself, you can't put yourself as a fan. I say that so much, but just don't be a fan. Like I've shot like a lot of famous people and people say, Oh, did you ask for their autograph? Did you tell them that you loved this show growing up? I'm like, no, I, I treated them like a regular say those person things. because yeah. I'm at the same level as them. If I ever want to work with them again, they can't be like this girl was just fanning over me the whole time. They want you to be a professional. You're you're there to take photos. Take the fucking photos and do it right. Like, it's just like, you know. Asking for an autograph is probably the lowest form of fanning out you could ever do. <laughs> My God. It's like you'd probably rather connect with that person as a friend than a fan anyways. Like you'd, think, you'd rather... You know, this this brings up a really good point for me. I'm just going to shut my door really quick. Um, yeah. This, this brings up a, a, a really good point for me. Um, I just like... Okay, I have a friend and he told me when I moved here, he was like, my friend sits in Soho and he takes famous pictures of famous models and like like just waits for them to walk by and like takes photos of famous models. And like, he's like taking photos of so many famous models and like, blah, blah, blah. Like you should do that. And I said something very specific to him and I'll never forget this conversation because he was, he was definitely a little shaken up when I said this because I was like, yeah, like he's shooting all these famous models, but like, 
how many of these models has he worked with after the fact and actually made work he cares about off the street? And he went, Oof. oh, wait a minute, he hasn't made any. And I said, yeah, exactly. Oh. It's like, if you approach like a fan and you just take that photo there and that's it, you're not going to get that end photo that you want for the cover of the magazine. It's about developing lasting relationships in the way that you put yourself on the same level and you say, I want to make something eventually with you. And then you actually make that thing. And that's when you're making the level of work you need to make. But if you sit on the street and you just stop famous models, I'd love to know how many of those models you've worked with for an editorial after. That's some weird paparazzi kind of shit. Like that's like weird, annoying paparazzi. Like I'm sure they're flattered in the moment, but they're probably just like, eh, whatever, whoever that guy is. Exactly. And, but what if you came up and I give people my cards. I always give people my cards. I give famous people my cards. I give regular people my cards, but my cards have a photo of mine on the front. And let me see if I can find one. I, I just ran out. I think there's like, there might be one in my desk. When I went to fashion week, I went through all of them. But uh, my cards basically... I can't find one. Um, my cards basically, um, they have like um, a photo on the front, like the two girls in the sky. You know which one I'm talking about. It's like two girls and they're like this and there's like the sky. And it's just one of my signature photos. And it's got my photo and then it's just got my name on the back and then my email and my website. And I can't even tell you how many people have reached out to me. Yes. I can't even tell you how many people have reached out to me via just giving me their business card, my business card, because I don't force them. I don't force it at all. When I stop somebody, I stop people in a normal New York City day-to-day basis, probably like I stop two, three people a week on the train, like in the street, whatever. And but you just say, hey, hey, I'm Sydney Claire. I'm a photographer. Here's it, my card. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. The key. That's the key. I say, Hey, I'm Sydney Claire. Like, do you model? They sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. I love when they say no. Cause I'm like, you have a great face. You totally should. And then I'm like, here's my card. I'm a photographer. I shoot fashion in New York. Let me know if you would ever like to work together. I've had like a nine out of 10 response rate for those. Like I have had so many people email me. I mean, like I shot this beautiful editorial for Cove magazine with this model named Polina. Um, and she had had like 60 K on Instagram. If I DM'd her, she would have never. Like, we ended up connecting. Yeah, like, that's so true. But, like, that's I found, so I saw her on the train. I was like, I love your look. Here's my card. She emailed me. We ended up working it out and everything. And we ended up following each other, like, on Instagram eventually. She would have never seen my message, 100%. But because I gave her my card, we shot this amazing editorial that is still one of my favorite editorials to date. So it's like, you know, and I met her on the train. Like, everybody's like, where did you get this, this amazing girl? And I'm like, I saw her on the L on my way into 14th Street. Like, you know what I mean? Like, See, and like, that's that's like that's like the testament of being in that space where they're where everyone's at. My like, dad always not, asked me, "Why can't you just not. like live home, drive, and take the train from Connecticut every day?" And I say, "Because I would miss oh. a lot of opportunities every mm-hmm. single day that maybe you don't think are big opportunities, but they're things that end up being big opportunities. They're things that end up like they manifest into big opportunities from just you could bump into one person on the street in New York. I mean, like I moved here, I'll never forget. I was. I was living in Boston and, um, I was here for a weekend and my friend Michael lived in Times Square and, um, I was starting to shoot agency models, like agencies were hitting me up to test and everything. So I would come for the weekend and, um, I was in Times Square. It was 2 PM on a Saturday. That's gotta be literally the biggest fucking corner in the country at 2 PM on a Saturday. And some dude walked up to me and he goes, I had 3000 Instagram followers in Boston. And he goes, are you Sydney Claire? I love your work. Like I follow you on Instagram and he walked away and he just walked away. But that, that 
the amount of influence that one moment had for me to move to New York, that was like the final straw. I can't even describe to you. I always, everybody says, why you moved to New York? I said, this dude came up to me in Times Square one day and just like, really, it just like, it, it, it put the nail on the head. I just said, you know what? If, if somebody can recognize my work in Times Square and I only have 3000 Instagram followers, I'm doing something right. And if I move here, like it's going to, it's going to get better. So I think that those are the moments that like in New York you need. And like, those are the moments that, that really define you as an artist. And like I said, I wouldn't even live in New York if I didn't bump into somebody that told me that they knew who I was in New York. So like, you think so? You think you would? I, I don't know. I, I kind of like, I I, I feel like you still would have moved there. I would have moved here, but that, that made me um quit my job. Like that was it. You're like, oh, I got recognized in Times Square. Like, oh, uh. it was, it wasn't even, it was the fact that I knew that, my work had something beyond if somebody can come up to you and be like, are you this person? I love your work. That means your work has something way beyond like, it means there's something to your work that like you could really push and you could really connect like, with someone. It just like, and, 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 you know, I think that what, the more I feel like my name relates to my work, the further I'm getting in my career. Like when somebody hears my name, they should just think of my work. That's what the goal is. Think One of the golden hear your name and just think about your work. Mm, and that's like you have that vision in there. Yeah. Mm, that's so cool. So it's kind of funny how I had that photo, but I have this photo right under it. Oh yeah, that was a that was a photographer <laughs> that um that uh just kind of blatantly I thought honestly, I thought you were right. I thought you were right. I was like, I, I was like, yo, say anything. But to be honest with you, it was the body posing and the um, the clothing, and I just knew it that. really is. And it the really photo is. on my Instagram, that photo had gotten two hundred and sixty sends and like three hundred saves or something. So I knew, and it was on a lot of people's mood boards. Like people were sending me mood boards for shoots and stuff, and it was on their mood boards. So I know that that photographer had seen it, and that's where I really got bothered because it was like okay, you're really just taking my photo. And he's a big person in my industry and he got all the credit for that photo. That's what happened. Like oh. that was, you know what I mean? Like he shoots for Vogue, like actually Vogue. And like he got like to shoot that for Vogue and it was for Harper's Bazaar or Vogue or something. And that's where I was like, let me do it. I'm the one like, you know, but it's fine. And it is what it is. And like, I yeah. Got I'm I'm not trying to stir any beef, but I, I I I've been following you for a while, and I thought that that was like a super interesting point because I didn't know like what was the right move there. I was like, is it wrong to call someone out? But at the same, because it's just a pose, but at the same time, call, like I said, I I am so flattered by people. Um, people DM me all the time. This photo was inspired by you. I'm like, great, that's so nice. Like, I love that. Just like, don't blatantly like rip the entire mm -hmm. photo. Like, it, there's there's lines to things, and I feel like that looked exactly like my photo to the point that when I saw it, I stopped in my tracks. And I think that's where, and I, I know that multiple people had seen it and also stopped in their tracks and sent it to me. And like, I just, I don't know. There's very like, there's lines. I don't care about being inspired. I am definitely inspired by so many artists and so many people, but just like keeping your parameters. If you want to do something like somebody else, maybe try to do it differently. Like if he had backed up and maybe included like way more of the outfits but done that like kind of overshot, I wouldn't have like a, like a, like a new like a new twist on it instead of like the exact right. sort like of framing and everything. When you're cropping it to the same frame and like one of your models dead ass just looks like one of my models, like it's just like really like you know it just I don't know. So so to get off of that because I don't want to stir any hate, but I I thought that was interesting because if anything that says you're doing the right thing, but you seem to be like 
you have like this certain aesthetic that I've noticed, and it's like this downward looking up angle that I feel I like, like is very distinct. Feel no, but it's like like I, I think there's something to like shooting from a down angle, but you shoot from like a underneath angle. I'm trying to see if I have any other photos. I'm five feet. I'm five feet, and I'm short, and I. I but oh, that's not that's not enough. Like I feel like those FaceTime shots were like literally she's under the camera. She is like I, I put it on. Or she's the on ground. top of the camera. Sorry, sorry, she's on top. Of so the for those, I I had her throw the camera right on the ground, and she's leaning over. <laughs> I I really like to um. I like to make people look tall and powerful. I think it goes back to me photographing women in a very um, powerful way. I feel like a lot of men and a lot of people photograph women um, kind of facing down towards them in the way that like they're looking mm -hmm. down. And to me, that's kind of disrespectful. I think that if anything, we should be looking up at people, like making them look tall and powerful. And like, I don't know, I want people to have an, a presence. And I think that I photograph from low angles to make people have more of a presence. Yeah, you went real low angle. You're like, let's just get it on the floor. We're not even gonna land on the floor. Let me just let me just point it up. I mean, and, and my friend Layla said her neighbors must have been cracking up because she like threw her phone on the ground upside down. <laughs> like, think about it. They're not even on the screen side. Like, it's on the side with the, the like front facing camera, like the rear facing camera. So, like, yeah, it looks crazy. But like, I mean, that's how I get those shots, and like, I love those shots. So. But to me, it's very distinctive of your work. Like when you say looking at someone's work, if I see anyone with like golden tones in this underneath angle, I'm like, that's a Sydney Claire kind of aesthetic. Now, I've I've also noticed that you seem to like, and this is just like a nerdy photography editing thing. It's like you almost knock out the brightness on photos, which it like, make these photos like that. darker in a way, but it kind of makes your eye like focus on it. I love dark. I think I like to like make my photos look like paintings. I think that's what it comes down to um I, I have an art school education i love rembrandt i love a lot of old painters um i also love old photographers irving penn um just like helmet newton some of the like the big time photographers that you know they used to make work without any influence from instagram they're actually making work for themselves so you know like those so photographers shoot really dark and i don't know there's just like but i see that like there's something about that dark like deep like reds oranges tone that just like it just like it like lets off like a certain like euphoria in my body it's just like the right tones for me i don't know and i like that like creamy like painting feel i don't like my shit to look blown out i don't like it to look techy that's what it really comes down to i don't want it to look like i shot it with a 1.4 and everything's bokeh out blah 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 like i want it to look like it's timeless there's no you can't put a timeline on my photos some of my photos look like they're from 1940 you know what i mean like and that's what i like about my stuff like it's like like right like that looks like something old or like i love um a lot of my black and whites end up looking really old especially like but it's just like what it comes down to is like it's timeless you know what i mean and like i don't know a lot of people like try to just like blow stuff out because it's an aesthetic i think that that blowout aesthetic that's like that's instagram that's like a lot of things and like some companies will ask for that and stuff and i get it but like personally i love to shoot dark i'm gonna shoot dark mm -hmm. and that's how i get those deep tones and those beautiful contrasts and those deep colors i shoot five stops down sometimes like and just bring Jeez. everything up you know what i mean oh, like, wow but like so, i said so you're doing you're doing that like in camera you're not like doing this all just in post like a lot of it is that like really okay, i shoot crazy and when i mean i shoot crazy like this is how i shoot i don't look at my camera and i adjust everything and i just look at the shots I'm getting and I just adjust based on the shots. So like, I'm not 
actively like thinking about my aperture or anything. I'm just like getting my desired feel. So like once you use mm -hmm. a camera just to get your aesthetic, that's when you're, that's the difference. I'm not using a camera to get a, like, I'm not using the camera to like make some, I don't think about my shutter speed. I don't think about anything. Like when I shoot, it's like, I'm like, it's crazy how much I change stuff. Like it's insane, but I'm just trying to get an aesthetic. And like I said, you might have to break all the rules to get that aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I'm trying to like grasp what you're saying there. Like you do whatever it takes to get what it looks like in your yeah. camera, regardless of the rules. You're just like, I, I, I want this to be darker and painter like whatever. Where's, where's, hold on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if I could just like do this, I'm going to do this like on the screen so that I feel. Okay. So when I'm shooting, <laughs> this is cool. Like when I'm shooting. <laughs> Okay, my camera's at f11. My ISO's at 1250. When I'm shooting, this is what I do. Look. Okay, I took that. That's way too dark. I literally just hit my ISO or like, no, my ISO's at 160. I just hit this. I hit this. I hit my shutter like, and then I adjust it. Like, I don't like go like through like, I just keep shooting and I keep shooting and I keep shooting like, and I just adjust as I shoot. I'm not paying attention actively and being like, let me take a second and look at this and make sure it's F5 point. I literally just look through the lens, look at my back. Okay. It's got to come down. Like I just like, I started a base and, and like, I started like F, I don't know, like F 5.6, like in the middle with like a good app. I just adjust everything for like where I am outside and everything. And then I go from there. But when I go mm. from there, I let it go. I do not. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Cause, cause because because we I, generally you get good enough to where you know the ballpark of your settings where you're not going to just completely ruin the shot so then that way it can become more about the subject and the interaction and like and getting I said, it that dynamic come, it comes back to comfortability i've been mm -hmm. i've had a camera in my hand since i was nine years old i don't have to look at my settings i don't have to like think about that but as soon as you start to take that stuff away that's when you start really like getting the pictures you want because you're not you're not you're not concentrating on the camera and you and the subject are really doing that dance and that's what it comes down to I couldn't, I couldn't agree more because now these days, whenever I shoot for myself, I shoot strictly film and a dirty little secret about that is that I shoot it on automatic because what I've realized is that it lets me connect more with the subject. I'm not sitting there worrying about it because the last thing I want to do is mess up a film frame. But then now I'm taking my time on each shot and I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe that wasn't it. Let's try something different. Like I'll completely not take a shot for a couple minutes just because it didn't feel right or something wasn't clicking. But when you do get it and your whole role of film is like all bangers, you're like, there we go. It's, it's just like, exactly. And I think like, it's just, yeah, like I said, it's not, it's not about photography. It's not about the photographer, the camera, the, the gear, the lens, the whatever, whatever, whatever newest thing you could shoot. I shoot with my point and shoot four megapixel from when I was nine all the time. That one in that photo um, I shoot with that constantly and I get beautiful photos with it. What it really comes down to is just having a strong artistic vision and being able to articulate how you feel as a creative and what you see as a creative visually via camera. Uh, it's just, it's the same as a painter using a paintbrush and putting something down on a canvas. You're just using a different tool. So when it's just the tool to make the thing and not the whole thing, that's when. Have you seen what TikTok photographers are doing? Have you paid any attention to that? Mm -mm. Oh my God. Let me just blow your mind for a second. These TikTok photographers, there's the most famous photographer on TikTok. I completely forget his name about it right now, but basically what he does, and I guess this was pre uh, quarantine stuff. Mm -hmm. He would walk, he would walk up to random attractive girls and ask them to modify him right there on the spot. And then he would like 
do some sort of weird Instagram portrait photographer thing where it's like she's holding like two fans and it's just her face. And then he edits the crap out of it to where she like doesn't have a pore. But like that's like the TikTok photographer thing is like this sort of like weird. I, mean, kind I just of- ignore it. I ignore it all, to be honest with you, because at the end of the day, this is what it comes down to. These things are going to fade. All of these things are going to fade. In 40 years, I'm still going to be taking pictures and I'm still going to be a photographer no matter how cool it is anymore. Like, that's what it really comes down to. It's just like, I, you could sit and you could bitch about all this over editing, this stupid Instagram aesthetic, but what is it going to do for you? Keep working on your own shit and just make that longevity in your own career because at the end of the day, I don't take photos for Instagram. I take photos because I love to take photos and I've been doing it since I was like before double digits in age and it's my dream of my career. Like, so like, if in five years from now, the next big thing is video and everybody is doing cool video shit on the internet, I'm still going to be dances. taking my, my pictures with my film cameras and my, my digital and my little like, you know, whatever's because I care about my art. And I think that that's really what it comes down to. I don't pay attention to that stuff because that's not even on my mind. On my mind is how am I going to get my work to where I want to be so that 30 years from now I can look back and be like, this is exactly what I wanted my life to be like. Like, that's it. Like, that's what it comes down to. Well, it's different because you're, you're a purebred photographer. Like, this is what you're, like, called to do. There's so many people who became photographers purely because of Instagram gratification, purely because of a platform. And the same thing with TikTok. There's people becoming dancers now purely because, oh, I, I did a couple dances and now I have 20,000 followers. Maybe I should dance for a living. And it's just like, how many people have been fooled by social media into thinking that I they don't, should be doing something like I don't that. have any hate towards people picking up new hobbies. I don't care. Like yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I love I'm not them. trying to say that. No, but this is what I I, I love that point and this is what I want to say to that. I want to say that um what it really comes down to is if every single app got deleted tomorrow and you had to wake up in the morning and you had to do the thing that you've been doing for everybody else, would you really want to do it? Ooh. Who is right? That's a great question. If Instagram got deleted today, would you still be a photographer tomorrow? It's like, right. I know I would, I would keep doing my shit the same that I'm doing it now. There'd be nothing different. Maybe less people would be able to see it and I'd be bummed out because it's not going to reach people to the extent that it is with social media, but I'm still going to find ways to do it. Like that's really what it comes down to. I mean, like, and like I said, it's, there's a difference between hobbies and like fully loving something and like making And that's why I don't, you know, people are like, oh, well, I have a bunch of Instagram followers, but I can't book huge fashion campaigns and I don't know what's going on. They need to hire me for the cover of Vogue because I have all these followers on Instagram. That's not what it's about. It's not about that. I know people that shoot for Vogue that have 300 Instagram followers or don't even have an Instagram at all. They're just amazing photographers. It's just like what it comes down to is like that stuff doesn't matter. It's short term. The long term is like making connections in your career and your work. Mm-hmm. So, so what are you looking towards now, now that it kind of feels like we're getting near the tail end or at least getting closer to the tail end of all this quarantine and stuff like where, where are you shifting your focus to now? So my lease is up June 15th. I'm leaving. I got a one bedroom with an extra room. I'm going to make it a studio. Um, it's got a skylight. It's like the best apartment ever. And, um, I have like this beautiful skylight like studio. I mean, my friend's going to move in for a little and then into that room. And then eventually I'm going to take it over my biggest goals right now are just to kind of get a working studio at my house. I really want that. I want something to be able to just like work in all the time. It's a separate room. So like I can put my dog in my bedroom and then like have clients over and just like be in my studio. You know what I mean? And like that to me is like something really great, but I really want to, um, once this campaign comes out, I want to book more stuff that 
are like this campaign. Like now that I've booked something at the level that I've booked at, like for this campaign mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm doing, um, I, um, I know that I can do it. I know that I, I, I see like where I can get to. And I think that like, it's just a new level. And once everything comes out, I really am excited to see what it does for me in the way that I've never had that many people see my work. So I'm just, that's going to be such a moment. It's like, it, it feels like that's raising the bar for you. Like that's kind of like the next level in a sense. June 1st, June 1st, uh, June 1st, June 1st. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I got a taste of like it. Cause somebody in the campaign like mentioned something on Instagram and they had a lot of followers and I got like, not that it matters, but like just having that many people see my work. Like I said, being from 6,000 people, like a town of 6,000 people, I've just never imagined like that many people looking at my stuff. And I've, I've had a hard time doing it on my own, getting my stuff out and everything. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity because I feel when I do finally start to get my work on those big platforms and like, have that many people look at my work like some of the stuff I've really been working towards is going to come from me like I think that's really I mean I'm just excited I'm just excited to be and I'm always just going to work hard and stay here and make sure that I'm always progressing like there's always once I hit a goal there's just another goal behind it that I'm going to hit after you know it's just about always growing and there's really no limit to like how great you can get is there some sort of like Apple in the sky goal for you? Like, is there that like this one concrete goal or like what is I want to like make it as a photographer. I want people to call me to shoot Nordstrom campaigns or Calvin Klein campaigns. And I want them to be like, we need a Sydney Claire shot campaign. Like, and we need to call her like, because she's the one, like, I just really want, I want to, I want my photos to like be at the level that I want them to be at. But not only that, I think that the first thing I'm going to do is when I finally like get the notoriety I want and everything, like I'm going to write a book about how to be a normal person and get it <laughs> get in the art world. It's like, I'm not even kidding. And I'm going to tell everybody every single thing I did in New York just to make money and stay here. And just like my struggle from coming from a town with 6,000 people with parents that aren't in creatives and are very like working class and stuff like that. I feel like there's a lot of people that associate that struggle and like, like you definitely like, resonate that struggle resonates with them but they have no idea how to get from point a to point b and i didn't even know how to get to point a from point b but i think telling people my story and like actually showing them that this is how you can do it like it'll give people hope to like get to that level and then the second thing like i've always wanted to teach like i actually before corona hit i was going to start teaching art classes at a local high school in manhattan just like as a sub um like photo classes but for me i love telling like the younger generations kind of like how to go about things and like helping the younger generations. Like I know my parents weren't super supportive of like art careers when I was a kid. So like, I would love to have a mentor like that, like a teacher or something that like was able to tell me like kind of how to do it. And I think I want to like teach in the long run. Like I would love to be a professor at a university, like doing photo and really like shaping these kids that are going to be the next big photographers, you know, and really like, I know like, I don't know. There's just a certain type of like rigor it takes as like a regular person to get to where you want to be like to that level. And I think that people really need to know kind of how that struggle is and how to get there. And I really just want to like educate people, educate people and like share. Cause like at the end of the day, like if I died and like I didn't share it or educate anybody, like, you know, you're dying and you're making work for yourself and that's it. But if you're helping people actively and you're shaping people's careers, you're like, how your work is going so much further than just you. You know what I mean? And I think that's really, that's a lot. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, honestly. 
24 and thinking about how you're going to write a book. <laughs> it's so cool. I wrote books when I was younger. I used to write all the time. I've always loved to write. I would have been a writer if I wasn't, or I would have been a music or, or a writer if I wasn't a photographer, a hundred percent. I played the piano from very young and like, then I wrote, but I would write books, like little short stories, like actual books in like fifth grade, sixth grade. And I've always loved writing. So like, I would love to come back to that. I would just love to come back to that. And like, I've always thought about writing a book about like, I just feel like I have all these stories and all these experiences and I want to share them. And like, I feel like they all say so much. I feel like I've had a very lucky life in the way that my experiences really showed me physically, like a lot of things. And I think that, you know, I just want to write it down and like, like beautiful. Well, like, I mean, look at the bright side. If for some reason you go outside today and you get hit by a car in your last dying breath, you could think I did. I at least went on that's the angle and shared it. I mean, in a sense, in a sense, you're sharing it now too. It's like up until this point, you, you, you've shared it like sitting here. It's like, I'm listening to like, wow, this is remarkable. Jesus. I mean, I always say like, if I were to die tomorrow, like obviously, please Lord, no, like, you know, but it's like, I would be really happy with my life and maybe I'm not like, I don't have a ton of money in my bank account or anything, but like, I'm so rich in experiences already. And I'm 24 years old. I can't even imagine like when I'm like 35 or 48 or 54, like all of these, like, like I can't even imagine like how many experiences I'm going to have and like what a beautiful perspective on life I'm going to have just because I, I, I want to like take in everything around me and I just want to absorb everything around me. And I feel that if you live in a, a very absorbent life, like I love working, not working a nine to five because I absorb so much every day in New York city. And like, that's worth so much more to me than like having a stable salary because like, I'm so rich in experiences. Like, and, and that, that's everything is when you're younger, you never think about how much, how valuable wisdom actually is. But when you think about someone who's like 60 doing the thing you're doing, you're like, wow, no, they really know stuff that I do not know. Exactly. A hundred percent. That's so cool. Well, well, Sydney, I feel like this is a good natural kind of wrapping point for us. Um, I'm sorry I but... talked your ear off for so long. I'm, I told you I'm very bad about talking. I like to just... No, I'm a great like, listener. That's like half the reason I do this podcast. I, I don't want, if I don't have to talk that much, this is great. I've been, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for taking the time to, um, to just like talk to me. And I really appreciate you making a platform for artists to talk about like art to other artists. It's really nice to be able to, like I said, I don't think anything kind of gets it more than like being able to physically talk about stuff and like have people hear that. And I think like even just giving the opportunity for artists to speak is like really great of you because, you know, there's just so much we can learn about just through talking, I think. And just other people's perspective and perspectives and viewpoints that you just wouldn't have thought about it from that angle or from that, from that side. It's just so enriching. I, I feel so like lucky that people like you agree to come on the show. Cause I'm just like, Oh yes, I know I'm going to learn something today. When you reached out to me, I was like, yes, I just love it. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause like the, one of my friends, he he's really scared of public speaking. And like, I had a podcast with TPJ, the photographic journal, like a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was at his house before and he dropped me off like five minutes before my interview. And he was like, I would be shitting bricks and I would have like to, I would need like three hours. And I'm like, I actually just love to talk. And like, I love to just like, <laughs> like I like got on my computer and I was like, Hey, like, let's do this. And it was like an hour podcast and I'm just blabbing. And he was just like, I don't understand. And I'm like, I just love to talk. I don't know, but <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, I'm going to hit the unrecord button, but for everyone listening, please uh, check out her, her Instagram. If you want to get in touch with her, clearly 
email her. Do not send her DM. <laughs> you can DM me, but just like really, <laughs> if it's about booking a shoot, just please email me, please, Lord. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it. That's the angle. Peace out. Let me hit the.